Good evening and welcome inside Studio Zoom, where we are getting together for episode 32 of the Ripple League podcast. I am your host, Chris Lazzarini. Josh Wittenberg, our stats coordinator. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Excited to be here. Awesome. I also have Justin Filardo, Commissioner Filardo, with me as our content producer. Justin, how are you doing tonight? Great, great. Fingers crossed this goes well. And then we also have we also have two guests uh, that are joining us tonight. Uh, we have, as always, our preseason favorite guest, Dave. We'll have our Vegas plays later. But in the meantime, Dave, how are you? Not good. Not good. Okay. Well, we'll get into that later. And uh, we also have with us Chris Curtin. Uh, Mr. Curtin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm super nervous. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, let's go. Welcome right. to the show. It only took 32 episodes, Chris. Glad hey, to have you. You know, schedules, schedules, schedules. And you're a man of your word. You're, you, you said you'd be on, and here you are. So thank you. Hey, you're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we got a lot to get to tonight and not a lot of time to do it, so let's get right to it. We had a banquet. Uh, it seems like forever ago. It was about eight months ago. And I think the general consensus is it was one of the better banquets that we've ever had. Uh, a lot of fun, very seamless, no technical difficulties as far as I remember, I hope. Uh, no breakups for me, that was great. And uh, some, some nice highlights as well. So just a quick run through for those who forgot, as far as what happened in the awards, we had play of the year going to a leaping grab from Brian Boyson in right. We had the Rookie of the Year going to Scotty Balser, unopposed. We had Most Improved Player of the Year as a Mr. Paul Stumbaugh. I'm not sure what he did to earn that, but either way, congratulations, Paul. He had a great offensive year. Okay, great, great offensive year. Uh, defensive Player of the Year was the unsurprising Josh, as well as postseason MVP, unsurprising Josh. We had Pitcher of the Year, the dominating effort from Brandon for the entire season. And again, unsurprisingly, offensive player of the year with Josh Wittenberg. But we do have two guests on the line and two more awards to cover. Sportsmanship Award was awarded to Dave Leap. Dave, can you share a little bit on your philosophy throughout the season and why the rest of the league might have voted for you as the best sportman of the league? I think that the, less, the rest of the league likes to vote for me just to give me some sort of award every year, whether it's worthless or meaningful. I don't know. I think that people genuinely like me. I don't know why I won that. To be honest, I don't think I was a good sportsmanship that year. I showed a lot of bad body language after watching the film back. Sidney <laughs> made a few plays, didn't make a few plays. And uh, I think I showed some emotion. It hasn't happened for me in a while. I don't know why I won that, to be honest. Well, hey, that's just a testament of how much people like you, is that you can be a little bit uh, demonstrative and still win a sportsmanship award. So that just that just shows the character that you have you have established over the last 15 years. I think there was a point I punched Chris. I pretty <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that, or was that the other Chris? <laughs> it was both. Okay. Good. Dave's the second two-time winner of that award. Dustin Eckert has won it twice. Dave has now won it twice. And I believe it started in 2012. So eight years and half the time it's either been Dustin or Dave. Yeah, well, we know it's not going to be me or Josh. Uh, 
and then the I think highlight of the award, uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award, was uh, capped by a, a fantastic speech by Mr. Chris Curtin. Curtin, can you walk us through a little bit of your process as preparing for that speech, and then what was it like to actually be on stage during it? Oh, you know, being on stage anytime, you know, it's an honor. Like, you don't expect it. Coming from the speech standpoint, you know, it seemed like some things were tearing us apart. I just wanted to bring us back together, you know, like clinch those hands together, like make us all a family once again. So I was trying to do that. I hope made, hope I made some people laugh. I don't know if I did. It sounded like I might have made a couple. But, yeah, that's what I was going for, and I think I kind of hit the mark. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. It, was, it might be my highlight of 2020. Well, thank you. That's very nice of you. So, yeah, definitely well received. Uh, and I think it accomplished that goal that you were setting out for. So, uh, some newfound togetherness that this league is now sharing. Yeah, and I feel like we're pushing each other apart. We should be pulling each other together. We're all in this together. Let's go. I couldn't agree more. So, that summarizes the banquet. Any other thoughts from uh, you, JF, or Josh on what happened, again, what seemed like a lifetime ago? Dave, you commented in the chat, top three lifetime achievement award speech of all time. Who are the other two, you think? Uh, Paul, and probably one I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was really good. That was definitely a highlight. Um, Laz back doing the highlight video. Speaking of highlights, uh, excellent job this year. Josh, you also helped out with that, watching a lot of videos. So um, kudos to you guys on that. I thought that was really good. And like you said, the technical issues, we did, we did fairly well. Scale did we back. do something different? I can't, I can't recall. Was the there room. anything different yeah. about the banquet? We flipped the room the orientation, spread it out a little wider, freed up space by the bar. I think that worked out well. Um, but other than that, it seemed pretty status quo. And like I said, it was just, it was just seamless. It was fun. Uh, no drama, good after party, everything went well. So I uh, hope to be able to have a repeat of that in 2021. Not sure what it'll look like, but I'm sure we'll make it fun no matter what. So moving on, our next time to get together was virtually. Uh, for most of the league to be able to attend the Zoom call. No, I'll, I'll say all the league, in addition to guests and fans, for the draft that occurred in April. Uh, obviously, we had a pivot from doing it in Emmett's, which was our standard draft location, and we had to move to a digital format. I know a lot of preparation went in with uh, JF and, and Josh and Brian. Uh, we did a dry run with the captains on the Friday before the draft, so it was a lot of work going into what turned out to be a pretty successful virtual experience as far as making sure that all of the bidding was done well, no one felt like they missed out on something. And overall, I feel like the captains got what they wanted and, and they were able to kind of accomplish what was looking to be like a challenging task, which was doing a virtual draft. So I have a few notes of things that stood out to me. And then I'll throw it out to, uh, to anybody who wants to comment on those things. So first things first, the second player off the board was Justin Filardo, who went for $98. I think, obviously, this is the first time that something like that has happened to that extent. Russ knew he wanted to play with you. 
And I think it set the tone in a couple ways. One, it set the tone of go get your guy or person, I should say, go get your player. So that was a strategy that I thought was great. And Russ was able to do that with, you know, he, he obviously had that plan for a long time and it was just a fun moment for that to, to occur. But then what it also did is it set in motion, uh, even with Scotty Balster being the first pick, it set in motion a domino of a lot of new combinations of players on teams. I think this is the most jumbled the teams have been in a very long time. I know that Dave and Chris are ended up on the same team for what might be the third year in a row, I believe. But either way, it seemed like there was a lot more variety this time. I'm playing with Steve Andrews for the first time in my life. Obviously, Kevin Boyson's new to the league. And someone like Scotty and Carly haven't been around too long, so a lot of their teammates will seem like they're new. But it definitely seemed like a great shakeup and a lot of interesting combinations. I'm not sure if that was uh, something that you noticed as well, Justin. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was pleased. And that, that, that's sort of what we were trying to accomplish with the draft every year is try to mix up the teams. And that was definitely my number one takeaway. You look at that board and it's like, all right, well, you know, we definitely um, mixed up the teams well. There's a lot of new teammate combinations. And yeah, like you said, Russ too, I think I had some idea that he was going to try to go big for me because it's been, I think, since 2010 that we played together. (laughs) And he definitely had his eyes on uh, Carly as well. So I think, you know, for him, like you said, got to go get your players, the ones you want to be with when you're a captain. That's definitely what he did. And he went hard after it. So again, the auction draft. And we'll get into the full rosters once we get into a team preview or a season preview. But uh, Josh, you're somebody who's always been interested in the big board and values and what Russ puts out there before the draft and then trying to figure out kind of a formula based on numbers and estimated value. So something I found interesting is that Dave went for 48. I went for 52. Boyson went for, sorry, Brian Boyson. We now have two of those in the league, damn it. Uh, Brian went for 49. And Dustin Eckert went for 48. So all four of us went for within a $4 uh, difference in, in draft value. So I, I obviously will look at the numbers at the end of the year to see how that played out. But where do you see – how do you react to that, those similarities in, in values in an auction compared to what you might know or have seen in the stats for those four players? I would say that I'm not – really that biased but I think that getting Laz for $52 which is only four more than Leap and four more than Dustin and three more than Brian is getting significant value out of Laz compared to those other guys since Laz has just such a good track record of pitching as well as playing good defense and he's a so-so hitter lately but with Leap and um, I guess Leap is really the only other guy in that group that has pitching experience. And I don't even think that Dave, this year. I don't think Dave would argue with me if I said that Laz is a more experienced and a more uh, reliable pitcher than Dave. Would you agree, Dave? Yes, he's giving me a thumbs up. So, um, I'm not really surprised that all of those players went for values really similar to one another. Um, And one of the things that Laz, you always talk about is how 
depending on where you get guys and when you get them, the value that you that you get them at in an auction draft isn't necessarily the value that they they provide to your team, but it's really right. when when JF went for $98 and Scotty went for 30, then the, you know, the, the table was set, if you will, for everybody else to fall somewhere in between the players that were more skilled than Scotty and less skilled than JF. So. And I swear I wasn't trying to uh, tee that up for a self pat on the back, but I really just find it interesting that those four people all went for a very similar value. And on top of that, speaking of value, uh, you know, it's hard to know based on a tryout video that we shot in a park in Chicago as far as what Kevin Boyson was going to be able to do. We still don't know what he'll be able to do this season, but Kevin went for uh, less money than both Paul Stumbaugh and Steve Andrews. And part of that is, as you mentioned, Josh, the flow of the draft just because of money that was left over and not needing to be spent. But another part of that is just um, potentially a drastic undervalue of what Kevin can bring to the table. I don't want to tease too much in our, our practice from last weekend, but Kevin has proven even in the scrimmage that happened in the offseason to be a probably average to maybe above average offensive presence, a very competent and knowledgeable defender, and won't need to probably take the mound this year given he'll be on a roster with three previous pitcher of the year winners of myself, Josh, and Steve Andrews, but either way has competency, it seems like in all parts of the field and offensively. So I'm excited to see what he does when he actually gets a chance to get into the season. We know that nerves will be high, but I do feel like it was probably an undervalue for Kevin compared to some of the other names like Dustin and Paul and maybe even Dave. Well, the draft, the draft settled um, quite quickly, I would say, for at least two of the teams uh, Russ had spent $98 within the first two picks and Schroeder spent $52 within the next two picks. So that's why Brandon Eckert bid 48 for Dave and then he bid 51 for Laz, kind of forcing okay. my hand there. Right. So okay. it, was, it was either had, let Brandon get Laz and Dave and then I have, you know, all my money still. And really, I'm only competing with $1 of the Ironbirds and $2 of the Trash Pandas. And then, you know, another $48 from Schroeder's team. So I really, really needed to strike uh, on the Laz, which is what I did. But it's funny. I'll give you a little insight. When Brandon bid on Laz for $51, I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to get Laz. And then I totally wouldn't have even bid on him because I was thinking for some reason that I didn't have enough money, even though I had a hundred dollars. <laughs> and like, I think whoever was the auctioneer or whatever was like, all right. I even think Brandon said it. Brandon was like, well, Josh, do you want Laz for 52 or not? And that was the only time that I realized that I was going <laughs> to get Laz. If he didn't say that, I would have just let him have it. So I totally was like, caught off guard and thrown off. So it was, it was very funny. And I almost, you know, did, I almost totally missed up on the opportunity to get lads. So. Well, yeah, it was kind of an anticlimactic draft. It seemed like a lot of things were already in place pretty early, as you mentioned, because of how much money got thrown around. So um, I won't get into much more detail on my last note because it's also part of my season preview, but what it does look like is 
there was a little bit less value placed on pitching throughout the draft. There wasn't as much of a concern for how a team is built or assembled. I feel like that may have been a thought of mine when I was a captain to think, all right, I'm going to get this person because they're going to be good at pitching. They're going to be good at center field or third base, whatever it might be, short field. So if you look at the, the team breakdown that we'll get into with the season preview coming up shortly, I do feel like there was a little bit more, I just want the people that I want and I'll worry about pitching or positioning later. I'm not going to think about that right now. So again, we'll get into that once we get into each team. Yeah, pitching wasn't really that important to the captains because um, every captain this year has pitched over 100 innings in, you know, the history of Chestnut Park. And there's only seven people that have pitched that many innings. And two of them are no longer in the league. So of the five people in the league that are still active that have thrown over 100 innings, four of them were captains. So that really speaks to the, the capability of all of the captains this year of being number one pitchers. And like Laz said, they weren't really as concerned with getting a second pitcher because they knew that they themselves, they being the captains, had the capacity to throw eight innings every series. So. Right. All right, so uh, this isn't quite the typical podcast. We don't have as much interlude music between segments and no need for a break as we're trying to power through this. So I think it's time to jump right into the 2020 season preview. A couple things to note early before we get into the team-by-team breakdown just to address for the league, one of which is a rule change, something that I think was Paul Stumbaugh's hill to die on, which is – making sure that a ball that hits you when you're in the batter's box isn't actually considered a strike, even if you don't make a massive effort to get out of the way of it. Hopefully we're not going to be in the, you know, get in the front of the batter's box to take away Russ's slider and then let every ball hit you type situation. It's more of a, we'll call it a, a gentleman's rule where, you know, if you're in the box and it hits you, not a big deal. If it's outside the batter's box and it hits you, then you might be at risk of having a strike called on you. So that's the one rule change going into this year. We do have a lot more safety protocols to address the COVID-19 related issues. So it'll be, you know, one bat per person. So everyone will have their individual bat to bring to each game. We will have plenty of sanitizer at the mound, at the plate, and in general around the field to make sure that people who want to stay more safe can. We will be very cognizant of reusing balls from series to series. And in general, keeping away with celebrations, avoiding physical contact and just doing all the things that we already know and have been putting in place in our daily lives. So shouldn't be much of a concern there. It's not that hard to keep your distance on the field. And uh, I'm sure someone will get yelled at the first time I do a high five. In addition to that, we are in unprecedented times since we left Florida field as Chestnut Park is currently destroyed for a water main construction project if you will i'm gonna need a satellite ping on this new place (laughs) (laughs) uh well we have determined uh so we might be able to get back to chestnut this year i'm not sure if it'll be worth it to play the wiffle series there after playing the entire series somewhere season somewhere else so we'll figure that out as it gets closer to it but as of now the opening day being only two days away we are going to be playing at finch park in hoffman estates right off of roselle and Ela. 
What's so, a, sorry to interrupt. What's the sure. status on the grass? Like how long is it? Like, is it three inches, six inches? Like so we, had a we had a visit. We had a visit from Justin and Josh just on Tuesday of this week. So JF, what was the update on the conditions? My concern was more, it's a possibly a drainage situation, but you were able to go there and check it out. What'd you come back with? Yeah. So I'm, have visited a couple of times and that was my concern too was that it's potentially uh, like a retention area but it, it's been dry every time that i visited and josh and i were there on tuesday after that heavy rain on monday so it was extremely dry good playing conditions um, and actually funny enough as we were discussing the field kind of assessing the lawnmowers arrived so they do, you know, a Tuesday mow, which is an improvement over Chestnut's Monday mow, because I know <laughs> loves that short grass. But um, yeah, I think that was um, one of the main, if not the main uh, issue was making sure that it's a safe playing field and everything that I've seen so far is good. We could obviously make adjustments. And what are the chances that some crazy neighbor comes out and tries to shut us down? Like well, on a scale of one to 10, what would you say the chances are? No, that's absolutely a concern as well. And that's another reason why I like this location is because it's where we're going to set up the field is away from the houses because we're not trying to uh, disturb anybody especially during a pandemic when yeah but you know karen walking her dog is going to see us like, yeah she's <laughs> yeah. gonna be like this is over yeah and like i mentioned in the email i think parking is really the only concern and that can draw some attention so if we're smart about it and we disperse throughout the subdivision i think um, we'll be good or you know i was thinking even potentially an outlot where you know, we, we park or you walk it in or you do like a little carpool system. So or we like run from the cops. <laughs> yeah. We also won't be doing anything illegal by ga by gathering in a field Correct. and yeah. playing the game. So exactly. we are at no danger or risk of being quote unquote busted. So that shouldn't yeah, be a problem. Oh, well, we're touching the same ball. So, you know. Yeah. That's not illegal. And I think well, we've always kind been. Of is. I'm what? playing softball in the city of Chicago right now. It is not illegal. Yeah, whether at my parents' house or Chestnut or Twin Lakes, wherever we've been, I think we've always been considerate, and that's not going to change with this location. So um, we just want to play wiffle ball. It's as simple as that. I, we're not doing anything uh, illegal or dangerous. Um, I think we're going to be smart about it. And, yeah, just for one year, I mean, if it works out great, uh, you know, potentially we could discuss staying there for next year. It just gives us another opportunity to see what our options are. So – not ideal, but I think it should work out just fine. As far as uh, one in 10, I would say the odds of somebody coming and shutting us down at one. So to give you an answer, Curtin. And I also sent you a ping on Wait, the, uh, one the location. One in 10 or one in 1,000? Well, Justin's above the law. You only gave me the option of one in 10. You said, so you're saying, so it's 10% chance. It's the lowest that you gave me the option to give you. Okay, well, if it happens that we get shut down, how much do you owe me? Like $600? I'll start sure. there. Sure. All right, cool. That's fair. All so right. if we get shut down, we'll just everyone, raise it. Everyone heard it. And also, Curtin, as far as the, uh, the length of the grass, it is now August, and grass doesn't grow nearly as quickly as it does in uh, the spring because of the oppressive heat. So I would say the conditions are damn near ideal. So, And you don't really – 
you know, I think, Curtin, you wear uh, golf spikes, if I'm not mistaken. That's a question. Yes, of course. You will be, uh, those will be perfect. Checked, those will be checked, perfect for you. No, have you checked the entire area for holes that I have potentially I have. fallen? I've checked the entire area and I will be marking it tomorrow. Because I'm sending so. my medical bill to you. Oh, that's fine. I, I'm happy. Perfect. I'll have that $600 in my pocket. Tape, right? Yep. Anyways, trying to look at the 2020 season preview aside from field rules and safety protocols, I just wanted to briefly go through each team, take a look at their roster, and maybe just get a quick hit from whoever wants to provide an opinion of where you think these teams might rank and maybe a, a very short one-sentence synopsis of what you think their 2020 chances are going to look like. So I'm going to go in my own order, so don't let that judge you. But starting with a team that I believe will probably finish in fourth for the regular season, I'm going to start it with the uh, commissioner-led Trash Pandas. My basic comment on the Trash Pandas is they might have some – they might struggle in the outfield a little bit. Well, when Russ is pitching, JF will be in left. And when JF is pitching, Russ will be in left. But the rest of the team is made up of Carly and Luke, who don't have a lot of outfield experience. So they might struggle in the outfield. They're going to need their stars of Russ and JF to carry them as long as they're not being pitched around too frequently, which might be one of their concerns. So, again, the Trash Pandas, captained by Russ with Justin, Carly, and Luke. So I'll go around to uh, Josh first. What is your kind of uh, brief outlook on the trash pandas for this year? I don't think I'm as um, glass half empty as you are on them. I think the big question mark, though, will be, is JF able to continue his uh, resurgence, I will say, on the mound? He used to pitch at Old Filardo Field and obviously uh, knows how to do it and had a really big coming out party last year. So if he can continue to... Uh, come out kind of the same as he did last year. I think that their team is going to be in pretty good shape on the pitching side and the whoever's playing center field might not matter much because of the, the high quality of pitching that their team could have. So I think uh, JF is going to have to really bear a decent amount of the burden. And, uh, you know, if he's successful, their team will be successful. JF, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, there's a value on defense, but uh, two really good hitters, that's always uh, makes it difficult for the opposing pitcher. And, you know, I may be biased here, but I think there will be improvement from Luke and Carly. And they seem to be, you know, getting better each year. So, um, yeah, I'm optimistic. Obviously, it's my team. So, uh, yeah, I think I think things are going to be very good. I'm excited. All right. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Can anyone name another team where it's like two great players ranked with like players that are a little bit lower ranked, but there's like a bigger discrepancy? It reminds me of the 66ers where it was Schroeder, Josh, Luke, and me. Maybe the Aqua Sox? <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. So team. maybe the Dragons? Maybe the Dragons. Ooh. So uh, next on my list, next on my list are the Ironbirds, captained by 
Mr. Brandon Eckert, who got a nod to join the captain pool this year over myself, which I think was a worthy replacement. And now it's time to see how he stacks up against the likes of Russ, Steve, and Josh. Brandon's team is outfitted with Brian Boyson, Chris Curtin, and Dave Leap, two of our guests on this call. So my quick kind of summary is Leap will have to be their second pitcher. Brian is historically atrocious at pitching. Curtin, I'm not sure what you are thinking about your ability to get on the mound. Hey, hey, don't worry about that. I'll show you later. So uh, somewhere between Dave and Curtin will have to be the other third of the innings for that season if Brandon will take the other two-thirds. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, if, if uh, Dave's pitching or Curtin's pitching, they will have a very, very good defense because they will have Brandon and Brian in the outfield, and those are two very plus defenders in the outfield. So that will be good for whoever the number two pitcher is. And I think the team in general is filled with a lot of, um, a lot of get-on-base type hitters, a lot of singles, a lot of station-to-station, and I think that can be really frustrating for a team even though a home run is great and, you know, gappers can move. Yeah, we're going to work you down. I think that's, yeah, my word for your team is Your arm's going to be starting to hurt. Like, oh, man, what are these guys doing following me off like 15 times? Yeah, frisky is the word that I have in mind. And you're like, yeah, well, we'll see. All right, Laz, let's go. Dave, what do you think for your team? Do you have a similar, uh, similar feeling? I do. I don't like the teams that are like dink and dunk the whole time. That's why I'm happy to finally be on Brian's team. I feel like we're a great one-two combo and I've only been on his team one time. So I'm really excited about that. I think I can get on base and maybe Brian can drive me in. Oh, interesting lineup. Maybe, maybe Dave at the top with Brandon followed by Brian and bring it all in. I like it. Josh, what do you think uh, as far as the Ironbirds go? I think this is kind of going to be the theme of, of uh, the podcast for me tonight. It, it's really going to depend on what type of pitching they can get from Dave. I know Dave has in the past been able to, to get some wins and been a pitcher of the year nominee. And I also know that Dave has, you know, given up 11, 12 runs in a game when he was pitching. So if you get the Dave that uh, kind of gets weak contact, and, you know, he can get guys out pretty easily or strike guys out, then they can be dangerous. And Yeah, can if, I make a comment here? Sure. Yeah. Like, I used to really like Russ. Like, I'm pretty sure I drafted him first round when I was a captain. And he decided to trade me for Luke. So, my entire goal for the year is to make him pay for that. <laughs> He's going to pay for that royally. So, we'll see what happens. But let's All go. right. Curtain with a fire lit under him. That is exciting to see how it'll play out. Do you remember Chris having this kind of fire before, Laz? Not really. Uh, it's been a long time since I've heard him this fired up. So I can't wait to see how that translates onto the field. I'm thinking, are you thinking a few home runs this year, Curtin? With all that pent-up energy? Yeah, I'm not talking about home runs. I'm talking about hitting it right back at the pitcher. Okay. Hopefully. Okay. You know? This is Make, what I needed. Send a message. Let's go. This is what I needed. We needed we, we we needed to have drama outside of a virus to to have something 
get me excited for this season. That's that's a great that's a great call. Uh, we've had a well, we'll just move on. I think uh, we've covered the Ironbirds now in quite a bit of detail, and we had we're running a little low on time. So I apologize for those listening. Uh, next, I'm going to look at the Paddleheads. Paddleheads are captained by Steve Schroeder, and Steve went and got his guy right away with Scotty Balser and filled in with Dustin Eckert and Paul Stumbaugh. My kind of uh, analysis or synopsis of what the Paddleheads are going to look like, they are very well-rounded. Um, a lot of experience, a lot of people with the ball in play. Paul, uh, similar, as Josh just said, a, a broken record. Paul is going to be their number two pitcher unless Balser has been doing a lot of work in the offseason, which I'm not sure he has. So if Paul is going to be that number two pitcher, then it's going to have to be a, a good year from him. And you, we've seen him be relatively effective, but he's also one of those guys similar to Dave, similar to JF, who are more um, – we can throw strikes, not necessarily trying to throw a lot of sliders or knuckleballs or really do a lot of um, kind of more – advanced pitching so it might be more on the defense when it comes to those pitchers for success and again uh most of that team paul uh balser and, and dustin are more singles hitters so it'll be on schroeder i think to carry the extra base hit category which he can for that team so if they're able to piece together what i think they can i believe that they are extremely well-rounded and will be a tough out for any team Josh, what is your – I already know what you're going to say because I just took your, th- your thunder, but like, anything else to add on the paddleheads aside from the, the importance of Paul pitching? Um, I think that, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head with Paul pitching, but I would agree that I think these guys are the most uh, deep as far as offensive skill on their team uh, with, with what we saw from Paul last year batting uh, over 300. I know that Scotty Balser has the ability to – I think he could probably hit 400 in this league if he can get his timing down. Schroeder's obviously very uh, successful in his career hitting, and, and Dustin has really – you know, not that he was a bad hitter before, but his last couple seasons he's really gone above and beyond what you expect. So if he continues his trajectory, then, you know, these guys could be all over the base paths. And as long as they're not behind Schroeder, they're going to be running wild. So, <laughs> that's really slow. Shots fired. Uh, uh, Dave, I'll, I'll go to you um, before we get to Vegas plays eventually, but why not weigh in here? Any thoughts on what you see from the Paddleheads? I think we're going to see some more from Scotty Balser. It's his sophomore year, and I can remember feeling a lot more comfortable my second year at Chestnut, and I can assure you that he does too. He has all the skills. We've seen the talent. I think that he might come into his own this year. Do you think that the new environment is going to affect that? Yeah, maybe. That's an interesting question. You know, there are a lot of us that have been on these same fields, uh, the same field, I should say, for now uh, eight seasons. And I wonder if the change of environment will have an impact on any players moving to this new field. Did anyone have success at Twin Lakes? You don't have the same sight picture. That's the issue, I believe. Dave, I'm, I'm so glad that you said you felt a lot uh, more comfortable in your batting at Chestnut in your second season um, because the stats would totally disagree because that is statistically your worst offensive year ever. I felt year comfortable, ever, but I was so. terrible. <laughs> 
It's hard so to get it might have just numbers. been a feeling. It might have just been a feeling that you had because uh, it definitely wasn't feeling. reality. It's tough to get past the numbers, Dave. All right, uh, JF, do you have anything you wanted to add on the paddle heads? I know I missed you on the Ironbirds. You can cover the Ironbirds or the paddle heads as you are uh, back with us. Yeah, they say the numbers don't lie, Dave. Uh, paddle heads. Wait a minute. I was on the rubber ducks. I went eight and one. Come on. That's comfortable. We're talking 2013. 2013, Dave. We're on the 66. I didn't even get to share about all this in my last. Yeah, I think the interesting uh, thing to watch with this team will be uh, Dustin. You know, he had a great year last year, played great defense. You know, see if he can keep it up because he's kind of a linchpin for this team. If he has a big year, I uh, expect good things from the Paddleheads. Dave, I, I will say I misspoke, Dave. You didn't have your worst year ever. 2012 was your worst offensive year, so you did a little bit better in 2013. I was only looking at your batting average on balls in play, which went down, but you did have a little bit better year, so it wasn't your worst. You want to practice tomorrow? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, Curtin, what do you have on the paddle heads? All right. Well, let me, let me think about this for a second. I think the top two clearly are the paddle heads and bananas. Um, I think we have a chance to come in there and screw some things up. Trash pandas are what their name says. They're trash. Um, so it's a three-game race. So let's go. Let's run it. I love All it. Right. So uh, you just mentioned that fourth team, the bananas that are uh, captained by Josh. Uh, with myself, Kevin Boyson, and Steve Andrews. Um, it's hard to be not biased, so I may have to pass this to uh, JF or Dave or Chris, because I'm sure Josh will agree with me. Uh, but it's really hard to see a weakness with this team. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast, we have three Pitcher of the Year winners on this roster with myself, Josh, and Steve Andrews. And... With Steve on the mound. Hey, okay, we can't count Steve. Let's be honest. Like, let's not get ridiculous here. If, if okay. we count Satry, we have to count Steve, too. Okay, no, okay. okay. Well, Satry, he can go fly off a cliff. <laughs> too soon. So, so uh, my, my, my main comment, just as a, a kind of a one detailed deep dive, is when Steve Andrews is on the mound, you'll have Josh in left, myself in center, and Kevin at third which is one of the better, if not the best defense. That Steve Andrews just lobbing up, lobbing up softballs. Like, it's his job. You and know, just like Dave and Paul and no, Justin. We're, we're, we're throwing hard this year. We're going on the, <laughs> we're going on the Hansman style. We're, we're waiting until someone calls us out. We're throwing as hard as we can. All right. We'll see how that plays out. Just wait till uh, something goes. Yeah, because then you guys are going to be the little babies. Like, oh, he's throwing too hard. Oh. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's hard because I'm so close to the team. Josh, I'll, I'll pass on you for a second. So, JF, uh, or yeah, JF, what did you have as far as your reaction to the Bananas roster? Yeah, I think that would probably come out in my uh, predictions, which we'll get to real quick next. Um, yeah, I see really good things. This just looks like a really strong team. They're scary. Uh, I think Kevin a little undervalued in the draft, but he's an unknown commodity. So uh, he'll have this year to prove it and he'll be on a really good team with an excellent supporting cast. So yeah. Sorry. 
we didn't discuss this, but in my notes for this podcast, I have Kevin Boyce and undervalued as an unknown commodity. <laughs> Those are my exact words. Uh, Dave, what did you have as a reaction to the bananas? I thought their only weakness was the question mark behind Kevin Boyson. But then after the scrimmage, I saw that Kevin has a very similar swing to his brother. And I think that he'll have success with that, whether he flies out every time and every other time he hits a home run, I think it'll, I think it'll work out for him. He was undervalued for sure. Yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely a learning curve when it comes to hitting, you know, Russ's slider and Schroeder's uh, sidewinder and changing speeds more than batting practice. But, I am curious to see how that'll translate. Curtin, did you have a response? I know you said it seems like a three-team race, but is there anything about the banana sent out to you? You're on mute Gosh. if you're talking, Curtin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he walked away. We can't see him. That's true. You went to get a drink. What happened? I was just wondering if you had any specific thoughts on the bananas. Sorry, my headphone screwed up. Repeat it one more time. I just want to hear what you said. I just want to know if you had any specific thoughts on the bananas as a roster, uh, not as a fruit. It looks like they have two good pitchers. One that just lobs one in there and one I have no idea what the hell he's going to do. So um, that's how we're going to go at it at the plate, you know. We're just right. going to go up there, hit the balls that we like. You know, you're not going to sit there and lean back. I don't like that ball, so I'm just going to sit there. No, we're going to hit the ball. Hey, excuse me. Who interrupted me? Who was that? That's your teammate telling you to not give away too much of your strategy. Shut the hell up. Hey, Dave, you and your stupid disco. Shut up. Anyways. All right, so. What uh, I said was pedal heads, bananas, and iron birds. Trash bananas can go in the trash as far as I'm concerned. Sorry, Jeff. That's all right. I like being on your team, but, you know. I get it. Times happen. It almost happened. Yeah, I mean, this is Shock Jock Radio. We got to make a stand and get those reactions from the fans. Uh, Josh, I would go to you, but I'm guessing you like your team. You're the captain. So we're going to move right into 2020 award predictions. Um, I'm going to run through my quick list of uh, rookie of the year, most improved, defensive, postseason MVP, pitcher of the year, offensive player of the year, and the Whipple Series champions. Um, And I'm going to do this comically just to get the booze. I'm going to go shock jock. I can't wait for the hate to come in this podcast. Rookie of the year, Kevin Boyson. Most improved is going to be myself. Defensive player of the year is going to be Kevin Boyson. Postseason MVP is going to be Josh. Pitcher of the year is going to be Steve Andrews. Offensive player of the year is Josh. And the Bananas win the championship. I'm going Bananas sweep it all. Wow. JF, what do you got as a response to that? So, <laughs> I just <laughs> have my predictions, but I <laughs> – <laughs> They're heavy. They're heavy bananas. I won't, right. won't lie to, about that. So, uh, obviously, I got Kevin for rookie of the year, most improved player of the year. I got Carly, uh, defensive player of the year. Josh, as always, he's going to play a little more left field, so that works to his advantage. Uh, postseason MVP. I I believe the bananas are going to win the Wiffle Series, so it's going to be a banana. And I got Steve Andrews, who almost won. In 2012, I think he's going to do something. Or excuse me, Don. You got to pick the easy choice, right? Yeah, I think he's going to do something uh, that gets him that award. Uh, pitcher of the year, uh, I actually have. This is kind of my unique one. I think that obviously Laz and uh, Josh are going to have 
a good year, but we've seen Pitcher of the Year kind of come out of nowhere uh, in the past. He can't even get himself out of bed. So yeah, I think um, that I think that Russ is going to win this. He, he's never won the award uh, in the open field. He's not going to win it because he traded me. Because we, <laughs> we got a real beef here coming. I'm coming with like a, yeah. a bat. <laughs> and then uh, offensive player of the year. A social distancing uh, bat, of course. I'll go with the easy one. I'll go with Josh. And then uh, the Wiffle Series champions. I got the bananas. All right, Josh. Do you have a have you given thought to your predictions? No, not really. Um, I do believe that the most improved player will come from a four-person pool, which I'll say Carly, Luke, Steve Andrews, and Curtin. I just think that uh, with the angst that I'm feeling from Curtin, uh, there might be some uh, some big numbers out of him this year, especially when they play the Trash Pandas. And I will agree that I think the the level of optimism and uh, camaraderie coming out of the trash pandas from Carly and Luke, uh, that could lead to good things. I've already practiced with Steve Andrews twice this year and look to continue to do so. So I'm hoping that some of the work that we put in uh, will pay dividends on the field. And, you know, yeah, if that's, he can... a neg- that's a negative. Steve <laughs> likes to do that stuff, but that he like, turns on you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, that's my guess. And, and I will say that I think, you know, whatever, uh, whatever team wins the Wiffle Series, a lot of the, a lot of the, the awards will probably go to those guys. But uh, that's, that's it for my predictions. I don't really like doing this game. So, All right, uh, I'll go to Dave. Do you have any – you don't have to go through all of them unless you want to, but any, any specific awards that you think are the most uh, intriguing or ones that you want to wager on or throw a yep. name out there for it? Josh, <clears throat> Josh for postseason MVP. Sportsmanship award goes to Dustin. Comeback player of the year is going to be Carly. And then um, I'm also going to say Heart and Hustle award will be back in 2021. Okay. Curtin, did you have any surprise uh, predictions for some of the awards? Oh, it's always a surprise. But anyways. It's not a surprise for Justin. He's the one who writes the names. (laughs) Anyways, yeah. Yeah. I'm just right. going for not going for a dollar in the next draft. That's my main goal. Um, and it's not a huge goal to accomplish. I think I just need to beat out Luke um, and, uh, you know. Yeah. So the rest of the people. You know, I'm, I'm going for it this year, and it's going to be hardcore, and I hope that they realize and learn something from me. They won't. But it's funny to ask the question. All right. All right. Cool. Curtin, you got to remember that if you go for a dollar, that means that your captain had $99 to spend on two other guys. That's great. Because if I perform half edge over even, then we win the championship. Let's go. Absolutely. That's why I have so many championships because I'm garbage. (laughs) But this year I might not be. So we'll see. We'll go for it. All right, so those are our 2020 season predictions. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun, challenging year. But in the meantime, uh, we have a few more details to iron out for 2020, uh, some that come from a different point of view than my own. Uh, JF, I think that's our cue. What do you mean your point of view? All right. 
I took him as a backup. If full screen. Shout out to the Fox game on Elvis night. A lot of fun, especially the end, that Elvis um, celebration or ceremony, whatever the hell you want to call it, at the end was absolutely celebration. <laughs> Sorry, I might have played the music over curtain there. But uh, I got to head to work. Boys, you're doing an awesome job. Um, I, I have an opinion on some of your Vegas plays, Dave, but I'll, I'll talk to you on Saturday. Okay. All right? okay. Love it. Okay. All right, Jeff, good luck at work. Uh, we'll finish this up soon. So uh, you heard the music. You know what that means. It means it's time for Dave's Vegas plays. So Dave was so kind to, uh, to give these to us ahead of time. So I'm going to go ahead and read through them. If any of them uh, stand out to you, Josh, you pull Dave, these off, Dave? Or you Chris, got like 12 hours. Come on. Uh, you know, just let me know if any of these stand out to you. So first one we have is uh, the pitcher with the best regular and postseason ERA, so combined full season ERA. Ooh. Dave has Russ at plus 250, myself, Laz at plus 300, Steve Schroeder at plus 300, and Brandon at plus 450. Slight uh, shade being thrown to Josh, to Steve Andrews, to Paul, and to JF. But in the meantime, yeah, we only have odds of the four of us. Repeat question of last year. Exact repeat? Yes. Yeah. So to answer your question, Chris, this is how we pulled it off in such a short amount of time. Your name isn't Chris, that's Dave. <laughs> uh, so what do you think, uh, Chris Curtin? Jeez, oh, no, I don't do these. All right. Anybody have an opinion, or are we just going to put it out to the group and let them figure well, it out later? you wanted my opinion. I would say uh, Schroeder. I'll take right. that one. Schroeder at plus 300. I would probably go with uh, – Brandon uh, on the heels of his fantastic season last year. So he was, he was the plus 450 winner last year. Yeah, that's a great bet again uh, to repeat. So uh, are these all the same as last year? Next one is no. defensive player of the year. Josh, no, minus 140. Because they're interesting. I like to revisit them because this gets boring after a while. I like to yeah, see. You got you to make new moves, you know, move it up. All right. Well, we got Josh, defensive player of the year, minus 140 against the field at plus 120. I'll take, the, I'll take the field on that one. Yeah, I'm taking the field. He's got to have a bad year eventually. Uh, yeah. I think this is a really fun one. Uh, new Newcomer to the league. Again, unknown commodity, Kevin Boyson. Uh, I mean, he can make the best play. Over under batting average for Kevin Boyson we have at 250, 250. which is, I think, a, a reasonable number for a rookie yeah. season. I'm going to say over league. on that. I think I'm actually going to go under, even though I, I think he's going to have a good year. I don't know. I think he's going to have a good year overall. I think he's going to struggle with batting average. Okay. Uh, yeah, the first year is always pretty good production. Hard. Good production, bad batting average. But 250 is it's kind of low. I would say like 350. I mean, I haven't hit 350 in, I think, about eight years. So, I, I think know, 250 but, is okay. just fine. Yeah. Well, Dave knows more than I do. So. That's damn right. Exactly. Uh, so we got a question here about our former league member. Will Mike Satry make it to one full game? Yes is one plus one full game. Oh. One full game, not oh. series, but game. Like, do we add them together, though? No way. Series would be like minus or plus 1,000. Because if we add them <laughs> together, he can come for half and half. 
So yeah, we got we got yes at plus one twenty and no at minus one fifty. I'm leaning towards no, but uh, we'll see. If I'm he leaning to towards make it out. no too. Yeah. On the heels of uh, attendance and yeah. uh, games being played, I'm gonna add one to your list, Dave. What are what would you give me on the spot? Can you do this for me? On the spot, Dave. What are your odds whether or not we play all games scheduled for the entire season, or if we are oh. forced? Cut it That's like a minus four fifty. That we will play all the games. Yeah. yeah so, I can't think of any real solid concrete reason as to why we wouldn't finish. Yeah, but none of us next week. week. The chances of that happening are crazy. If somebody yeah. gets sick, if somebody, if if there's a rollback in the statewide guidelines. Hey, if you got to set this even, it's got to be like even odds. Minus four fifty. You're saying my play all games. Yeah, then we will. Okay. Oh. Okay. And then maybe, you know, plus plus three fifty on the back or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Agree? And Curtin then we agree. have what was that? Does Curtin agree? Yeah, agree? I actually I actually do agree, to be honest. All right. I think Dave and Curtin are agreeing on different things. I don't think Dave thinks that we're gonna have any reason why games won't be played and Curtin yeah. doesn't believe yeah. that we're going to get the season in. I don't know. Right. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> Take them back then. <laughs> Are we gonna uh, get the season in? Minus one fifty. Wish you going to all right, uh we got another another Josh bet player with the best batting average the, batting average at the end of the post and regular season. So the entire season you have Josh plus 110 in the field, minus 130. Uh, I'm taking Josh again here. How many times, Josh, have you not led the league in batting average? Is it, have you ever not done it since we moved to Chestnut? Is this the total season? Yes. Okay. I'm not going like, to yeah, look I'll, all the numbers up. I'll take up, Josh on that. I'll yeah, it's, it, it, it's pretty much a lock. Uh, yeah. so I'm, taking uh, I'm putting the, my I'm taking life savings on that one. So who's paying out? And then Dave also provided Laz regular and postseason home run total at 1.5. You'll all remember that last year I hit zero. But so, now this is interesting because about four out of the five seasons you hit two. Why would you even make that bet? It's like, kind of strange. I think your home run totals are something like one, two, 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 one. I mean, I'm currently two, going with Josh. One, so. zero. Laz's home run totals from 2012 on is two, one, two, one, two, 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 zero. Six, eight, six, eight. So last year was the first time that Laz did not hit a home run all year long. But look at how many more than two home runs. Wow. Laz has never hit more than two home runs at Chestnut. Laz has the record for most home runs. Well, Laz has tied for the record for most home runs in the playoffs and regular season combined with eight. Yeah, but we have too many pitchers lobbing it up here in the series. I also, I'm have, go with Josh uh, I also have the record for most home runs that have been robbed. Sorry, I love you guys, but that's you true. Got to go with that. All right, so that wraps up Dave's Vegas plays. We don't have the outro music because our music man has left the meeting. So we are just going to move. So we need Jason Hillebrand back. We need to pay him. <laughs> Uh, we're going to move into a wrap-up right now. So we're going to get into, again, the, the um, usually the most important song that we hear. I'm going to see how fast I can get on my phone and get this playing. But the, 
and we all know the song that plays every time, so I can't let this podcast end without playing it. And let's see how fast I can get this playing. Dave, are you, is your team playing on Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. And you're playing. Out. You're it's playing. Gonna a, a, it's going to be a wreck show. You're playing fuck. against the trash pandas, right, guys? Yeah, we're going to throw them right in the trash and then of, call the company to pick them up. A lot of building or bulletin board material being thrown out in this podcast. Yeah, let's go. There's a lot of bad blood. Trade me in the last moment. We're, we're going to see what happens. All right, let's see what we got here. here. Rob Zombie. Lance, right, we can't well, hear it. We can't hear it, Les. All right, well, I tried. Sounds like pretty good at the beginning, but then it just <laughs> disappears into the darkness. Well, this is the life of a Zoom podcast. We don't have the music to play coming attractions. We don't have White <laughs> Zombie, more human than human playing, but we still have coming attractions. So I'm going to run through the schedule really quick. It's going to be fast for a regular season. We're going to get all games played in a 15-day stretch. We have the Ironbirds and Trash Pandas on Saturday, August 15th at 1 o'clock. They're we trash, the, by the way. We have the just, Bananas and Paddleheads Sunday, August 16th at 10 a.m. We have the Bananas and Ironbirds back at it uh, the 23rd of August. That's a Sunday at 10 a.m. It picked a great name. I the mean, like, how did you know you are going to be such trash? Like – it's like, pick the name that we are. Trash. Just kidding. I love all of you. We have the Paddleheads versus Trash Pandas. Uh, the doubleheader Sunday at 1 o'clock. And then the following Saturday, the Paddleheads and Ironbirds finish their seasons on Saturday the 29th at 10 a.m. And we finish Bananas and Trash Pandas Sunday at 10 a.m. on the 30th. So we have a full season between August 15th and August 30th should be a very exciting two-week stretch of wiffle ball. We have, uh, we'll have another version of this podcast coming out at the end of the regular season before we jump into the playoffs, which will be taking place on the, I believe, the 13th of September. So uh, final thoughts before we sign off, I'm going to go to our guests first. So, uh, Curtin, any final takeaways from our conversations tonight? I'm guessing it has to do with the trash pandas, but if it doesn't, let me know. All right, I guess it does. Oh, my God. Oh, hey, hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yes. yeah, you're here. Oh, I have a final takeaway. Okay. It's like if you trade me at the last moment for $1, I'm coming for you. Get it. Get it right. right. Okay. I'm out of here. Adios, amigos. Thank you, Chris. Dave, what do you have for your final thoughts or takeaways? Or takeaway? Um, Chris, Chris Curtin's actually texting me right now saying I better be ready for Saturday, so I should probably get going. Uh, I got to get to bed. I make sure I'm eating right because I've never seen Chris this motivated. Awesome. So we're looking at a fired-up Ironbird team. Josh, what do you have as a takeaway? I'm just really excited for a two-week regular season sprint. You know, I've, I've, I don't even know if I've ever practiced once a week in, during the Wiffle season, and now I'm going to play three series in, what, 15 days? 
something like that. So I'm super excited. I think that the people that get really sore uh, during the season are going to maybe have a little bit of a tougher stretch. Um, but the people that have been taking care of their bodies, I think, Laz, you're down a decent number of pounds, you said. So uh, people, and even Dave said he's taking care of his body, eating right, getting some sleep. So um, it's going to be a furious dash to the finish of the regular season this year. And Listen, I'm really excited. Stuff, but now I'm supposed to be, according to Chris. He actually had just sent me another message right now. He said, do you want to be trash or cash? Yeah. Do you want to be trash or cash? Let's talk to all the people in the room right now. You want to be trash or cash? <laughs> hey, Josh, what do you think? You want to be trash or cash? I want to be a nanner. What does that mean? You can speak in English tones. All right, Josh, why are you so annoying? No wonder. My, my biggest takeaway is uh, we got to get better at Zoom podcasts. So yeah, it's we called are going starting to... on time. We're going to be wrapping up this episode 32. I appreciate all of you who stuck around for this. Uh, Josh, thanks for getting the meeting set up and the recording all scheduled. Uh, JF had to take off and go to work, but I appreciate his efforts in the Here go, area. be against all your principles. And uh, we will see you all hopefully uh, at some point, either Saturday or Sunday of this weekend at the new location for Wiffle Ball. Uh, it's going to be a new, it's going to be new. It's at Finch, Finch Park is the name of it in Hoffman Estates. So hopefully you all have Google Maps and can figure out how to get there. Uh, and make sure you don't drive to the wrong field first. So uh, signing off for this episode of the Wiffle League podcast, I am your host, Chris Lazzarini. Again, thank you for listening and hope to see you all soon. Peace out. Love you guys. <laughs>